Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 25. Welcome back, everybody. We are joined here again with Rusty Parkers of RustyParkers.com. Hey, Rusty. Hey, how's it going? If you guys are not reading Rusty on ImprovedPhotography.com, make sure you go out there and read his articles and go to RustyParkers.com to see his awesome work, especially his work with the Kansas City image that he got for the Missouri Tour Guide. I've yeah. got Wow. That tour, that uh, see, it's called the Tourism Guide of Missouri, right, Rusty? Yeah, I think you're right. The Missouri 2017 Travel Guide. Oh, I Travel, travel guide. guide. I that's think that's word. it. I've ordered one. It's coming eventually. I don't know when. It yeah, they probably been run out of. Now. They run out of prints, so they got to do more. It's so popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why they sold that, out? The, yeah, the only reason I can think of why they delay the. Sh- Oh, why does that come across as a jab in the ribs instead of a compliment? <laughs> it shouldn't. It's a compliment. <laughs> it's a jab in the ribs for you, but it's a compliment for Rusty. It really is. Yeah. I wish you don't I had have something. yours yet. He's got like five. I don't even have a calendar for realtors <laughs> that have my pictures. So there's no one wants my stuff yet. Yeah. But someday. 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 It will happen. So where else did we go? So we actually had the weekend, the rest of the weekend that we could spend with Rusty and show him some places that he got skunked the last time he went to, which was Zion's. Canary Creek had never been to, and he really wanted to go there, so we were excited to show him that. And so we hit Canyon, the Canyon Overlook in Zion National Park. We hit Canary Creek Falls, which is just outside of Canaraville. And we went to, and then you and I on the way home stopped by Cedar Breaks. Yeah, we were making a quick ad for Brendan's Gear Time on YouTube, and we were doing a bunch of scenes from different locations, and we wanted to finish it in Bryce Canyon. Don't give away all the secrets. Keep some of the secrets. And so you should go to our YouTube channel and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a location, Cedar Breaks, the only place that was open. It was awesome. So it was so worth it. A quick uh, overview of um, the Zion Overlook is really awesome. It's an amazing view of the entire. Uh, Zion's Canyon like entrance and that twisty windy road that goes through the one and a half 1.1 mile road through the rock so you just see this twisty winding road going into the hill into the rock side and then it just disappears because it's ton they literally tunneled a mile 1.1 miles in that rock it's um, unbelievable and then Canary Creek Falls uh, this is the second time we've been there you wouldn't know it's there you wouldn't even know it's there oh, yeah, once you no. hike the first like 0.1 mile you would still think this no is even really halfway crap. through even halfway through, you wouldn't think, I mean, you'd see some, like, some red rock and stuff, but you're like, this is supposed to be a canyon? Right. You know, like, it's just, like, big <laughs> you're cliff what, sides You're hiking stuff, on really pipes and dirty areas. You're hiking on gravel roads for the very beginning next to a water... Um, <clears throat> Stream? A water a, tank. Oh, yeah, the water tanks, yeah. So yeah. you don't feel like you're going into some awesome nature. Right. And yet you are. And then, uh, so that was pretty awesome. And then uh, that was our second time there. It's a 1.3-mile-ish hike. And uh, you go, you know, over and around a little creek and through it and all that stuff to get there. You never did do your measurement tool on I your know, phone. No, I forgot again on the <sighs> way back. So we'll have to go again and measure it from the fall. You want to measure from the fall itself parking out lot to the parking in, lot? Parking lot in. Let's just do it from parking lot all the way in and all back. The, Let's just see what it's like. Oh, in and back. Okay. Why not? Yeah. So I got a GPS logger on my phone. It doesn't need reception to get 
um, to log the GPS tracks, and, and it can export to Google Earth, which is awesome. So I think I already shared that tip way back when we did the space thing. So oh, yeah. that was podcast, like, pff, I don't even know, like 12 or 13 maybe. Years ago. It was like years ago. It was like two months ago. Um, <laughs> And then, and then in Cedar Breaks and Bryan Head, it's just outside Cedar City, and to the east is this amazing, like, red rock. Like, you can't even really see it from the road. And then what you do is you get there, and uh, when you drive up to that area, then it's like the earth just, like, falls from <laughs> yeah. beneath where you're driving. And all of a sudden, this huge canyon, like, shows up, and it's this beautiful orange and white stripes, and it looks a lot yeah, like Bryce. It's like much. a mini Bryce. It's really cool. It's weird. It's like the facade of a mountain that you would ski on has just been cut away, and here's Bryce Canyon underneath it. And then Brian Head is just like to the north of that with, with all the ski runs and everything. So you're like skiing right next to this huge, awesome Bryce-like st- structures and stuff. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm area. excited to talk about that. So that was the end of our photog adventures when we went out for the Improve Photography Retreat. Mm-hmm. And with Rusty, we went to two of these locations. So we're going to talk about those. But before we go into them, let's quickly talk about our listener photog adventure. We're going to feature, guys, of all of you listeners, of all of you people who have followed us on our YouTube, of all of you who have come to our website, the first one who ever commented to us, the first one we ever knew existed that wasn't our mom, our grandmas, or our wives, was C.R. Bainter. C.R. Bainter yeah. is an awesome guy. He lives in New Mexico, and he was one of the first guys that said, hey, I love what you guys are doing. This is awesome. This is so much fun. And then he created the hashtag... Photog Adventures, the movement is real. <laughs> <laughs> so we love C.R. Bainter, cool. and it's time for us to feature his Photog Adventures. Now, he has two really short ones, and since I like him so much, I'm letting us do both of nice. them. Nice. The first trip was out to the Bisty Badlands in New Mexico, and he has a picture of the Milky Way early in the season Milky Way. This is February 3rd in 2017, oh. so he beat me out to the first Milky Way of this season. He had a flat enough terrain that he can see the core of the Milky Way right on that horizon. Nice. I don't know if this is all just light pollution, just coincidentally directly Pro- below his core. Yeah, probably. I mean, most likely it's not from the Milky Way, right? Right. I mean, so that is definite light pollution. Just coincidentally. It just looks really great in there, too. Absolutely though. nothing to the right of the core, a little to the left, and just really glowing on top of the core. That's perfect placement. Mm-hmm. I like that. So he had his adventure out there to the Bisty Badlands. He arrived at 9.30 p.m. He hiked in four miles and then camped. It sounds like he camped alone, too. So he's a, mm. he's a stud. So he went out there four miles, camped, and made sure he got up in time by 5 a.m. to capture the shot. So the Badlands, he says, are 68 miles from his house. There's no fires allowed. So he had to use a jet fire burner and a couple of metal water bottles that he filled with hot water and then stuffed in his sleeping bag to stay warm throughout the night. Wow, so it was really cold out there. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh. it's crazy cold. Cold enough that it was worth getting water in these metal water bottles heat them up with the jet fire burner, and then sleep with them in the sleeping bag so that he can be warm throughout wow. the night. Then he woke up at 5 a.m. and captured this shot with his 14-millimeter Rokinon F2.8, nice. and it lasted 15 seconds. So he doesn't have too many star trails. It's fantastic. It's a good shot, man. CR, this is a great shot. I love the color in the sky. I love mm-hmm. the natural colors that you have here. You probably didn't even dodge and burn this Milky Way, and yet it's popping out like this. Oh, yeah. So that is a true dark sky. It's fantastic. That would have been nuts being that cold where you had to light up things and warm them up to get out there Whew, yeah. I, when was the last time you guys were that cold where you actually needed some extra heat hand warmers I, i've been okay my sleeping bag lately i don't think yeah i got a cold. really awesome sleeping bag last time so not that bad have you been yeah. that cold rusty or you sleep in the back of your car i've been that cold before there's actually a trip i went on several years ago we were we were allowed to have a fire but it was pretty cold at night and we we put some we found some kind of a 
maybe basketball or a little bit smaller size boulders. You put them around the fire to heat those up, mm-hmm. and then we put those inside of our sleeping bag. Wow, how hot did they get? Well, we would let them get so hot that you couldn't touch them, but it, okay. they got warm, and they would just emit heat all night long inside the bag. Nice. Oh, I want to do that next time just because. <laughs> <laughs> hot rocks in your bag? Yeah. Yeah. So then CR's second trip. This is a cool trip, too. It's another New Mexico area. He went out to an area that's called Rooftop Arch, just outside of Aztec, New Mexico. So here we go. He drove about 30 minutes from his house, so not very far at all. Yeah, awesome. So he left at 3.30 a.m. It's 15 degrees out, and he had to climb about 30 feet. So when you look at this picture, the shot that he has up there. That's from his home? Oh, I know, right? Dang, that's awesome. I mean, CR, we try and make people jealous with our place here in Utah, but you have an awesome location out there in New Mexico, man. So he went, and it looks like the, the angle that he has on this arch, where he's like directly looking through it, this arch must be a little high off the ground, because he had to hike up 30 feet in order to get that view. So that's interesting. He posted up on a ledge that had less than four feet to work on, and it was a straight drop to the canyon floor. <laughs> but it was the most <laughs> ideal spot to snag the shot. So he had to do it. I mean, Brendan's done that. Yeah, we were just spending yeah. time at the Canyon Overlook, and Brennan was on top of the rocks, leaning over the cliff edge. Yeah, so four foot. Yeah, yeah, you can make do with that. Oh yeah, as long as your tripod can spread out, you're fine, mm-hmm. and you don't forget which direction is that cliff, and you don't back oh, into so it. So he's using a Sony A six thousand. Yeah, it looks like in this with shot. With the working on fourteen. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh yeah, both shots. Looks like his camera body for both of these shots are a wow. Sony A six thousand. Okay. Now, that's a crop factor. That's a crop sensor. And so he's got to deal with the crop factor. And he's got a 21 millimeter basically off of his 14 millimeter. So his settings for this shot of the arch. Now, he used an Altera Photo 160 LED with a 3200 Kelvin light filter to light up the arch. I mean, you look at that. that. That's an awesome, warm look. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. So he's got an awesome light painting on the arch. He's got his camera, his A6000. Anyone out there who has a crop fac- uh, crop sensor, don't worry about it. Take the shot. Get out there and try. He had it as high as ISO 6400. Now, this is a Sony A6000, which is pretty good on high ISO performance. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it doesn't have that. It doesn't have much noise at all that I can see. Maybe no, if I zoomed really in on the arch, I could see any noise. But, man, that's awesome. He got a lot out of his crop sensor there. Yeah, that's a great shot. And that's only 30 minutes from his house yeah i gotta drive like six hours to get something like that (laughs) right minimum rusty really needs to move to the west (laughs) (laughs) none of this midwest stuff yeah i don't have a whole lot of interesting landscape around here (laughs) yeah he wakes up at 3 30 in the morning and goes and takes off and makes it in time for the milky way he doesn't even have to go (laughs) yeah that's incredible two hours an hour and a half away i don't think i have a place that's only 30 minutes away 40 minutes is the minimum to go to the silo or the trestle i think i might luck out and get maybe 20 minutes up the canyon because Briny's stuff was not too far from where Silver Lake. Yeah, exactly. That's where we want to go. I can go to Silver Lake. It takes me about twenty minutes either from my house. So. Okay, CR, we're gonna challenge your thirty minutes and go from Brendan's house. For- see if we can get to an awesome <laughs> location in under thirty minutes and have a nice lake view and the Milky Way. <laughs> lake view with trees. Yeah, we can do something cool there. <laughs> and mountain lions. So we'll see what happens. And that sounds moose. like an interesting new challenge for your <laughs> listeners. Yeah. See, you can, see, if you can get the most interesting shot within a half hour of their house. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Maybe we should make that the next challenge that wins the uh, third copy of Royce's book. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Rusty just said group. it. Let's do it. Okay, submit to the listeners group, guys, a new contest um, by the end of March or the end of April. Give them more time. Eh, March, I mean, it's, how many? It's like two Still weeks. Still a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking at March 18th right now, and so they have the new moon coming up, and they can have two weeks. So, yeah, by April 1st. 
Okay. So we will ha- submit. We will accept our last submission on April first. So if you show up at April first, eleven fifty nine, and you post a picture on the Facebook listeners group, you're in. Heck, if it's even one a.m. my time, I don't care. It's April second. <laughs> I'll still count it. But once but, I wake up, but on April first is like the worst time to have a contest, man. It's April Fool's Day. <laughs> so should we do it on March 31st and then save April 1st for the Poisson yeah. d'Avril? Sure. Poisson d'Avril. Slap a fish on your friend's back and sing a song. That's what they do in France. Wow. Or at least I didn't actually know that. Like that. What? Well, all, all, you French, all you French listeners are probably like, that's kind of halfway wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that seed isn't just making stuff up. Well, it is Poisson d'Avril, the 1st of April, and they have a fish. I don't know why they have fish, but they have a fish. So you cut out a fish. Why not slap your friend with a fish on the back? Because you hate your friend. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> slap it with a fish. What is that song? Is that SpongeBob SquarePants? Well, there's also the Little Mermaid, Not too. like a fish. Yeah, there's Les Poissons. <laughs> Les Poissons, yeah. Les Poissons. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't record most of our podcasts at midnight. So let's do it. March 31st. Um, by the end of March 31st, the end of March, get in your picture. 30 minutes or less. See our Bainter. You've already been submitted, but if you find something else, uh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, challenge That's us. a good start. That's an I'm awesome. A, I, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty doesn't need the book. He's like, ah, I'm fine. <laughs> so anything. It doesn't have to be landscape or astrophotography, or does it have to be? It does, no, right? No, it could be. Well, Astro's cool. Yeah, we won't, we won't let's to be Astro it, since it's Astro season. But um, Let's keep it photog adventure themed. Landscape photography and astrophotography. Oh, so two. Do you have two copies to give away? Uh, no, I'm just meaning oh, okay. it has to be one of those two genres okay. of photography. Okay. That does really screw some of you people out of there. But if you have nothing within, 30 but just minutes, so you know, the cool. Astro stuff is more impressive in general, so you're more likely to get <laughs> some uh, <laughs> some credence for that. As was shown on the Improved Photography Retreat Challenge, yeah. when we had all the Milky Way shots, they won everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's do that little contest. The third copy of Royce Bear's book, Astrophotography. Should we just make it astrophotography since it is Royce Bear's book yeah, on astrophotography? Yeah, yeah. Same, same Night subject. photography is what his book is called. So you, if you can't get a good Milky Way shot because you have light pollution, get something. Get anything. Do some lunar landscaping. Anything you can in your area. Astrophotography, night photography themed. Even if it's like Rusty's where it's a cityscape at night, let's accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That absolutely. way everyone can be included. Yeah. All right. Nightscape photography challenge. 30 minutes from your home, set a clock, set a GPS point, anything to prove <laughs> to us that you did that. We'll just take your word for it. If any of you are saying you live in the East Coast and I see pictures of the Grand Canyon, we'll know not to accept <laughs> your submission. <laughs> so there we go, CR. You are one of our best and oldest friends when it comes to doing Photog Adventures. Thank you so much. Hashtag Photog Adventures. The movement is real. Thanks, man. It's fantastic. So let's go ahead and take our first break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about the photography that we have taken in our three locations, the Canyon Overlook, the Canary Creek Falls, as well as Cedar Breaks and Brian Head, and then we'll get more into the gear time and tip of the week. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. This time we're going to talk about funny stories and comments about some of the things we did. And we're going to start with Rusty. One of the places we went to that you talked about before was uh, Canyon Overlook. We got there, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes or a little 45 minutes before sunset and set up. Can you believe that? After everything we said on Friday, uh, every time we talk about anything, we say timing, timing, timing. And yet with the complete control of our timing, we still couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. But at least we made it before the sun actually set, though. Yeah. 
So I got to give us props for that. I had a little bit of time, but still yeah. would have been nice to have a little extra mm. time. Just in kind of a little tip there to try to get to a place with plenty of time to find your composition. But right, exactly. But I think we had we had a pretty good amount of time, and we found the composition that we liked. We found what we were aiming for. We found what we went yeah. there for. But then, you know, you were moving around, Brennan was moving around, so you guys were finding your version of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just don't want to just set up where everybody else does and get the same shot. You want to try to find something a little bit unique, if you can. Yeah. So so after a little while, I started. I decided I was going to go up a little bit higher on the rocks, on the rock face, to see what was up there. And I don't know how much higher I was than you guys, maybe 30 or 40 feet up. Mm. Yeah, you seemed the pretty rock high face. up there. Maybe more than that. It seemed like I climbed quite a ways. But after I shot for a little while, I kept hearing these noises kind of off to a little bit further up the rock face. And it sounded kind of like... Uh, a mini avalanche. Oh, what? It's like what? What's going on? I had a, I had suspected I knew what it was, but I, I couldn't tell because I couldn't see it, mm. and I was getting a little worried because I, I had a feeling that it was rocks rolling down the the hill. Oh, yikes! And I didn't want some of those rocks to hit me or someone else right. below. Right. <laughs> I didn't so, notice any of that. So where you were at, you had rocks falling down. Well, actually, I never saw them, but I heard them. I never oh. saw that either. So yeah. kind of walked around. The there was kind of like a rock ledge that was blocking my view of what was going on above so i walked kind of around, around that rock ledge and i saw a couple of kids sitting up there uh quite a bit higher up than i was and apparently they were rolling boulders down the hill what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah oh. uh, i never did see any of the boulders go come near me or they, i never saw them at all but i could hear them oh rolling down rolling down against the rocks That's and so unsafe Really kill unsafe. Someone, kill if, someone like if, that. I'm sure that they they thought that everything was fine, that one of those rocks wasn't going to get away from them. But if it would have and right. gotten by and hit somebody down below it, you know, it could certainly kill them or oh, at least yeah. hurt them really bad. So yeah. Knocked Brendan right off the cliff face he was standing on. Absolutely. So hmm. I guess in a situation like that, always be aware of what's going on up above. If there's somebody just – someone could just be hiking up there and accidentally dislodge a – a rock and it could come rolling down. These two kids were up there just having fun and throwing rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rolling so, down a hill where people were hiking around, standing around. Alone. Right. Oh, man. Parents, that's watch crazy. your kids. Make sure they're not up there, you know, making a decision that seems fine to them. And I could see myself making that mistake, too, just not paying attention sure. to where my surroundings were. Stupid as it is, it's innocent in a way. So just make sure you're watching your kids. Dang. Rusty, you you walked up to get a better view, and you might have just been killed, and we never would have known where you were. Yeah, glad you didn't get hurt, really. Yeah, I, I never, like I said, I never actually saw any of the rocks, but I could definitely hear them. And, you know, just one little mistake, or, you know, they, they roll it down to the wrong spot, it's going to get by. Oh, yeah. Whatever they were hitting against, I don't, I don't know, but... And that could have definitely hurt somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So before Rusty was getting pummeled by rocks because of ignorant kids, we were still at the retreat. And the very first day of the retreat, we're sitting there next to everybody, waiting for it to begin. And I'm sitting by John P. Sabatier. I'm not sure if he pronounces it the French way. It might be just Sabatier. But his name mm. is John. And John showed us this cool picture, I mean, amazing picture from Michael Fry of the firefall in Yosemite. Oh, yeah, yeah. And John had quoted the wrong day. He said it happened on Monday, and that 
that threw me into a spiral of depression. It was the morning of, we've been out since 1.30, and then he tells me that Monday, Michael Fry caught what was his best picture ever at the Firefall of And we could have been there. At, yeah. Yeah, we could have. We, we were planning on being yeah. there. It was so depressing. Our trip to Yosemite was Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and then maybe stretching Tuesday night if we wanted to do an all-night drive back. So Monday night was guaranteed one of the nights we were going to sit there with our cameras. Even Sunday night when we were told the weather was bad and it was going to be pretty dangerous to stay, we thought we could stay and check and see what happens. And so when I heard that Michael Fry got his best picture ever right there on Monday night, I was, it took me out of the whole happy mood at the beginning of the retreat. It took me about 20, oh, 30 minutes. your sales. Oh, big time. It was, a, it was a gut punch. Yeah. And I know John was just like, check out this awesome picture. And I love the picture, but man, thank goodness when I got home, I double checked to see what Michael Fry did for that picture. And I found out that he actually had taken it Wednesday night. There was no chance of Brendan and I being there Wednesday night because we have wives and jobs and we couldn't stay. And kids. Even if yeah. we wanted to Tuesday night to stay one more night, we wouldn't have been able There's to. There's no way. Yeah. So that <laughs> yeah, made it a lot easier for me. It's like, you know what? He got his best picture on a night that I couldn't possibly have gotten my picture. Next year. Next year. Next year. We will get it. <laughs> the funny thing that happened on the way to Canary Creek was uh, the fact that I was able to shove these giant waders into my backpack. Giant they barely waders. fit. Actually, they didn't <laughs> fit because the, the the actual shoe part where your foot goes in, both of those were actually sticking up out of my backpack. I literally could not <laughs> you fit never them could in. Could zip them in <laughs> because my camera and my lens were taking up like a good quarter of my backpack, and then those things took all the rest. So those shoe parts are they flexible at all? Yeah, they're rubbery. They're PVC, but they were What's just a PVC. It's plastic. There's plastic. Okay, but they're not. Rubber, there's a difference between PVC and rubber. So okay. the PVC is a little bit lighter. It's not as heavy as rubber. And oh, so it's, it's, there's nice. some good benefits to that. Regardless of that fact, they still wouldn't fit inside my backpack because they were flexible, but not that flexible. <laughs> so um, the giant pant part, well, I could roll up a bit and shove in there. But yeah, didn't actually fit in there. So I look like an idiot carrying this backpack with all the stuff and my tripod and these big boots hanging out the top. <laughs> and uh, you guys saw it. <laughs> So I ordered these things. They're size 12, which are just a little bit bigger than my normal shoe size. When they say size 12 on Amazon, what did they even give you an idea of what size 12 meant? It's just a shoe size. I should have got a size 11. Oh. They would have been more exact fitting and maybe, you know, but but when I put them on and test them out, I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're okay. But I think what the, the, the manufacturers make a size 12 foot for like a seven foot, 350 pound man, <laughs> <laughs> which is not me. It's half of me. I wear a size 10 foot. I mean, even as short as I am, I have a size 10 foot in some shoes. So if I put size 10, that would have been nuts. Because yeah. your waders went, was it to my forehead, Rusty, or my nose? I think it was to your nose. Okay. Maybe your, it might have been your forehead. They were these, these were big waders. <laughs> yeah. And and they were not like, they were only like $10 more than just like the single boot, you know, ones that you have to strap on each leg. And I didn't want that. I wanted a single unit you wanted you know? a nice waist covered yeah this, I, yeah this thing goes like beyond my chest i felt like urkel in <laughs> you know in the stream <laughs> they, it was pretty uh interesting but they work really well yeah so, you were dry 
I was dry the whole time. I could <laughs> kneel were, down in that water. And, yeah. <laughs> they were so absurd that I thought it's going to be obnoxious to carry. He's going to get there and, you know, Rusty and I are going to be ready to just walk right in. Who cares? Our feet can get wet at the very end. That I thought Brendan would never use them. Like, pull them out and get dressed in them and change his shoes. There's no way. So I even made a $10 bet that he would never use them, but he never took me up on the bet. <laughs> I never took goodness. my money. Yeah, I never did that. So. <laughs> Didn't lose my money. <laughs> but it made it work. It wasn't really that big of a deal, you know. No, it to put them on better than what we had. Rusty and I were cold. Yeah, I had wool socks that, on. Yeah, that water was cold. <laughs> it was. The, cra- the crazy thing is, I had waders in my car, but I didn't want to mess with them, so I left them there. Right, oh, right. So you were not just jealous, but you were kicking yourself for not bringing yours. I just didn't have anything but water socks, and I didn't care about water socks versus <laughs> my legs were wet either way. Right. Yeah, but thanks to Nathan Saint Andre's, uh, you know, oh, yeah. recommendations from our previous podcast. Um, I got the waders that actually had like the nice, like, you know, he said not to get the foam bottom. So these are just the regular PVC grippy, like hiking shoe bottom tread. So it was really nice because I really didn't slip. I got tripped on a couple branches inside the creek, but I never actually <laughs> slipped on anything like rock like. So that was, that was cool. Yeah, that worked out really well. Yeah. Speaking of wearing the right clothes for a situation in your environment, I was wearing the exact opposite of the right clothes. When we left Rusty, my pants were soaking wet, muddy. My shoes were covered in gunk and dust. So I took everything off. And the only option I had were a pair of jeans or shorts. And honestly, it was so warm, so hot. (laughs) I got my flip-flops and jeans on. I was golden. I didn't need to do anything else. So on the way back, we're thinking, let's stop by Bryce Canyon real quick. And that's an easy place for us to step out at. We find Mm -hmm. out that we're not going to make it on time. So we decide we're going to go to the next best thing, Cedar Breaks. That is going to be a measly drive through Cedar City. We find out that there is one stretch of road, the last little like two-minute stretch that's closed for the winter until May or something. Yeah. So we had to go all the way around Cedar City, go to the top to Parowan, and then come in from Parowan, Parowan, whatever that city's name is. Come from the north and head south. Yeah, Yeah. head from the north in, and wow, I didn't expect it to get so high in elevation. We got to 10,000 feet in elevation, Rusty, and it was snow everywhere. They had plowed the roads, but they hadn't plowed the parking lots. And the places where the lookouts were, they hadn't plowed anything. So we get out, and we just had a bunch of warm days, and so they were starting to melt the snow. And it so it felt really well. It felt yeah, but it felt kind of secure. And when we first got yeah. out and started walking the snow, it felt like okay, it's it packed gave down. Gave us a false you know? hope, so we would walk Start out. Start walking out point on of it. No return. <laughs> I mean, you got to imagine you're walking on a pie crust that looks like it's fine, but as soon as you break through the pie crust, there's nothing underneath it. It's oh, just yeah. all apple filling to the bottom of the crust. <laughs> and so I was going basically was crotch deep in apple filling, eight, almost eighteen inches. I mean, it was it was more than <laughs> yeah. a foot. I go out with my flip-flops, but they weren't my flip-flops. I decided to put on my um, sketcher shoes that are a little more elastic and nylon slip-ons that I can have a little bit of more protection. Not thinking that I would need it, in my shorts, take a few steps out, and I break (laughs) through the crust. And when I break through the crust, I plunge to the bottom, and as I plunge, all the snow and ice around my leg cut my leg up stabbed me, froze me. My shoe would be underneath me in the snow. And if I lifted it up fast, I would lose the shoe. I have to <laughs> carefully come up where I can keep the shoe on my toes so I can pull the shoe out with my leg. Then I take a couple more steps and I plunge again, plunge again. It was miserable. <laughs> it was really crappy. We went to Panda Express an hour later after that to get some dinner. And I was looking at my legs and in the light of Panda Express, I was basically pink like a strawberry with a bunch of little red 
gashes and bleeding parts. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah, your leg got cut up pretty good. That ice was not <laughs> oh forgiving. It was so cold. I didn't bring my jacket, of course, because I thought, oh, we're just going to walk out Oh, my out gosh. I had my fleece on. Edge. I was still freezing. Oh, yeah. The wind was cold. <laughs> the air was cold. The sun was setting, and I was cutting up my legs. And once I got my foot in both of them really deep, crotch deep, oh, and I was yeah. in the like, freezer of the ice holes that I was standing in, <laughs> I couldn't be warm at all. I was freezing. And I'm like, oh, gosh, we must go on. Let's go back. No, no, keep forward. Let's move forward. And we decided to just plunge through. We made it to the end, and I was shivering and dying while we recorded this video. But we made it. Because it was like awesome 36 sunset. degrees, and it was like blowing like 10 miles an hour wind, too. It was, <laughs> it was cold. Absolutely worth it. And we'll talk more about that with what went well. But, man, the yeah. sunset up there, it Ooh, went well. It blew up. It was awesome. <laughs> So even though I was bleeding in my legs, my heart was <laughs> bleeding with joy because I had an awesome sunset that I was able to see. And I had no time to change into warm clothes before the sunset started. Right. So I was just in more. We crossed the street <laughs> and went to another side that I was also doing it. And I, I was whimpering at that point. I'm like, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> it was miserable, but it was awesome. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. In the meantime, I had bag. jeans, wool socks, and my boots on. No, so please. You want me to hate you? Why did you bring that up? <laughs> I, I, see, I see a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to wear my shorts and flip-flops next time. My waiters are awesome. <laughs> I should just give you my waiters. <laughs> if I had two seconds, I would put my own pants on, yeah. my own shoes on. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what we do to get the shots. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you sacrifice, right? I felt like that was something that made me proud. I was like, you know, this is what I had to do. This is where I needed to be, what I had to do. <laughs> yep. So we come back from our trip, and we just had, you guys already heard it, a whirlwind trip, so dang tired, so miserable, that we feel like we're taking a break for several days, except we don't get a break, because we committed to help out Roy Spare, because we really wanted to get into his presentation and see him present, and then he right. asked us to help him film it. So there was no missing that. We were so exhausted. I, I wrote him a message at 3 a.m. saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. We'll see you there. And he writes back, when do you guys sleep? <laughs> and we're like, uh, not much. What sleep? <laughs> so we had Roy Spare's presentation that night, and I just wanted to share a few stories from it, because it was obnoxious, a couple things about it. Oh, Yeah. Wasn't? There was definitely some things that were obnoxious about that presentation. And it wasn't had nothing to do with Royce. Nope, nothing <laughs> to do with Royce. Royce was awesome. If you saw the live feed, you probably know what we're talking about because you heard the clatter of the LARPing going in the room next door. If you don't know what LARPing is, LARPing is live-action role-playing, and they had a renaissance fair of live-action role-players all dressed up in renaissance medieval times gear. Full-on armor. Armor, shields, swords. And they were fighting, dueling, <laughs> Right next, right to, next us. to our presentation, <laughs> where it was nice uh, and quiet, collective people, uh, and you this pa pa like it, it sounded like they were like playing Star Wars with hockey pucks. Yeah, and they what kept it sounded dropping like. things. Like, but no, that was just in fire. I wondered what that noise was. You were oh, watching. Yeah, it, it was you heard crazy. It. I, saw, I saw that part. <laughs> and I, then out of the blue, the yeah. projector just turns off and turns into colorful fuzz, and we're like, <laughs> "What just happened?" Because nobody did anything. Like I Royce left was to just go talking. Fix it. I left to go fix it, and by the time I came back, and with the guy who was going to fix it, it was already working. So what happened? So what it was, uh, it was the HDMI cable in the back of the Apple TV. So they they had the they I had, had their Mac in a little bit when I left. Really, I tried it once. Yeah, I just I, I just completely unplugged it and plugged oh, it back in. Okay, and then I got a signal, and then it went back to then it went back to fuzz again. So I'm like, okay, so then I just tweaked it, and I realized maybe it was a loose cable. It was a bad cable. Okay, so I just tweaked the cable a little bit and let it sit, and then it was fine after that. So, so I didn't fiddle with it enough. Right. 
Did you try turning it off and on again? That's pretty much what I did, but with the cable. <laughs> yeah. So that was going poorly, and then some moron, just complete moron, <laughs> left the accessibility option of voiceover on on the on Apple, the Apple TV. TV. So when it goes to the screensaver, it says screensaver mode on, and it's full blast volume. <laughs> oh my I mean, gosh. everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like my ears are bleeding now. Thank you for that. I'm yeah, having trauma was, thinking about it because it was so loud. It was ridiculous. I mean, Drew was there. He saw it. He was right in the front. Everybody right was there. cringing like, "Oh, why did that just happen?" You know, and then it kept happening. A few more times, and we're like, please. We please didn't stop. know what the source was at first. And once we figured out what the source was, we turned it off, but we couldn't even change the menu system without turning the mic off. So it was like we had to let it go. Oh, yeah, because it would say every single block- thing it did. Yeah, so oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, we'd be blocking Royce and what he was saying if we wanted to change that setting. So we had to find a good moment where people were asking questions, turn it off, deal with the fact you can't hear him, hurry and change the setting, and then go back. It was and obnoxious. at that point, the thing was pretty, pretty much over, so yeah. it was just obnoxious. Oh, I hate that Apple TV. I hated it so bad. And it was just it was just a fitting end to a very long week. No sleep, <laughs> no rest, and we were there and we were doing our best. We were doing a we had a blast sitting there listening to Royce and Eric and yeah. Clarence. And so it was just an awesome time. It was worth it. But man, that Apple TV really jabbed me in the Well, you know, that's the thing you get with a live production. You never know. You cannot control all the variables. It's yeah. impossible. So So I bring <laughs> that up so that you guys know that there is a Royce Bear presentation on low level lighting, some Milky Way tips, mm-hmm. some tips on doing stacking and how to do stacking on top of tips of doing tracking, star tracking. So if you ever considered doing tracking the stars photography, what a really good presentation done by Eric. Oh, yeah. If anything, oh, just yeah. really good evidences of why you want to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm It's going to make you want to spend another $500 on equipment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kirk even said it. He's like, you guys should get Eric on there and Clarence. I hope you're talking to those guys. Mm-hmm. And yep, already have. Already nice. got them committed to a podcast. It'd be great. So we'll have a podcast talking about tracking software, tracking mm-hmm. stacking, and tracking um, equipment, as well as astrophotography with a camera that's been modified that's letting the infrared go through, as well as seeing... Full spectrum. H, alpha, full spectrum, all of that jazz. So you can see the reds of the nebulas. Oh, it's really, really different than what you're Mm -hmm. seeing already with your Milky Way when you see the reds and everything. Yeah, and crazy amount of detail as well. really cool. So let's go ahead and move into our last break of the podcast, and we'll come back and we'll just add in the whole segment of what went well in our photography, what didn't go well in all these sections. Then we'll do gear time and tip of the week. Hey, welcome back to the Photog Avenger podcast. Uh, now we're going to go to Aaron, and he's going to talk about what went well with his uh, last trip. And really, this kind of applies to all three of the areas, and I'm going to call it sky patience. Just mm. patience for the scene. First way, the first situation was the Milky Way. We had the moon setting, and you look out and you can't see the Milky Way, but you're trying to set up your composition without knowing exactly where mm. the Milky Way would be. But we were all patient enough for that moon to set that we were ready and ready for action as soon as it happened, and we took advantage of that moment. You know, it took some patience to be in that situation, not as much as the other locations because you knew the Milky Way was coming. People were willing to wait for that. So you're talking about our first... Our first Our morning first night. and yeah. the Grand Canyon, we had the same situation where you couldn't see it, True. but all of a sudden, oh, man, there it is. Right. So that patience was involved, <laughs> but even more so is the sunrise or sunset. It's so easy to be like, you know what? That's it. Everything's over. And particularly the sunrise colors and then the light in the foreground. Mm. I had a subject that was a tree. It was up on the rock, and I really wanted some light hitting it, but we weren't getting light shafts. And it was going to be easy to say, bail, move, move. 
but I waited a little bit longer. We got some really cool color. I got nice color above the main area on the left, and then in the far distance right, we had extra color that happened like later in the sunrise or mm. earlier. I can't remember which one it was. But it's just being patient and giving it time to come about. You're going to get a full scene of colors and glow, especially at the sunset. Here's the one right. that was surprised me. I knew that we were in a canyon and we're going to have the sun setting and we're going to get some color, but I kind of, I don't know if it's just inexperience with my camera or what, I expected it to require not direct light, but at least a, a direct pathway to the sunset light that's over there at the horizon. Mm -hmm. When the sun's kind of gone over the horizon and it's no longer visible and the reds are happening and some of the deeper colors, I expected those to be blocked by the terrain that was in front of us in the Canyon Overlook. Mm -hmm. But because the whole atmosphere in the sky, even despite not being full of clouds, it wasn't like there was a ton of overcast clouds that were reflecting light down right. into the canyon. Right. So even with those gone, something happened, I don't even really understand it yet, that made the walls of the canyon glow. There was red in the sky. The canyons were getting all that color from the red in the sky. It was amazing. And if I hadn't kept my camera in position that I had started with from starburst picture of the sun, mm -hmm. the picture of the light coming down the, down the pathway, so I can see some of the foliage, light on the tree in front of me, and then having the nighttime light that was going to give me that glow. If I hadn't been wait mm -hmm. waiting and ready, I would have missed that glow. I would have thought, oh, it's over. That was it. Right. And so being patient with the sky, being patient with that, and then waiting longer even for the blue hour to go past and get even dark enough to do light trails. And so that canyon overlook was a practice in patience and keeping my tripod in one position, even though I was anxious to try other things. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, Rusty, what went well for you? <sighs> There's so many things that went well, especially at Zion. Just being able to get into the park was <laughs> was kind of nice <laughs> since, the, since I got start. skunked. Yeah, I got skunked the last time, so... Mm. So awesome to just so many awesome things to see. Oh, I know. Uh, Canara Creek and the Overlook was just amazing, uh, as well as Kolob Canyon that we already talked about. <clears throat> but up there at the Overlook, um, just I don't want to rehash everything you guys have already said, but there's just some amazing light. Mm -hmm. uh, but we didn't really have a lot of dramatic drama in the sky with clouds, but there was just when that sun started going down, kind of getting at the top of the rocks. And it just kind of peeking over, just shining off of the the rock face over to our right, and oh, then yeah. kind of the tree, little trees in front of us were glowing. It's just yeah, really cool. As the sun started going down, it was pretty harsh at first when we first got there. That sun was pretty harsh, and yeah. I was go I was going for that. I'm kind of a sucker for that starburst image. Me too. I so I was it. going. That's what I was going for. But you kind of had to wait for the sun to just kind of go down and get about halfway obscured by the rocks. Yeah, yeah. So that it's just kind of peeking over. Boy, it's just just an awesome, awesome spot, awesome location. I could go back there over and over again and get probably get a different image every time. And Easy. that would. Oh yeah, we only scratched the surface too of that park. Well, he's even meaning if we went to the exact same locations, oh, yeah. we could still get a different picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With a different sky and the different, you can move around a little bit. Just so many different options. As cool as that place looked, the overlook looked without clouds and without dynamic clouds and drama. Imagine what if it had an amazing blown out sunset. I know because there was yeah. way more space there to move around than I ever imagined. Especially on the right there. Oh, yeah. 
It was incredible. You can go down several layers, and it was still, like, lots of room to roam around. I was really, really impressed at how much room there was actually there at the overlook. You know, the sun was a little, as the sun was setting, we noticed it was a little bit more to the left of where we were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We even looked at uh, what time of year it would be more in front of us and kind of get into those notches in the rocks. That was like in April, April sometime, whenever Mm -hmm. we thought that would happen. April 20th. Yeah. Mm. I think when that happened, the the sun would light up both sides of the canyon and give us even better light. And if we're lucky, we might even get that middle jagged edge to kind of create a split light shaft and that yeah cool. oh yeah so we have to look for the weather and keep our eyes open for that we want some moody clouds next time oh the beautiful thing is is that we can just go down there I mean, unfortunately rusty mm-hmm. can't we can go down five hour drive yeah it's about a 1100 miles for me so, <laughs> <laughs> so what complicated Ooh, to get there what yeah it's, it's a, a little complicated <laughs> that's far new contest <laughs> under 1200 miles from your home <laughs> i got it go anywhere <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So what did we learn from this trip? I want to talk about my waiters again because they were just awesome. Um, and I were awesome. definitely want to give a shout out to Nathan St. Andre again for his tip from our last podcast, a few podcasts back. And, uh, you know, it was a hassle bringing them a little bit. But, you know, once I get them in my backpack, they were fine. You know, it was just kind of stuffing them in there and figuring out how to get them in there. Right. But once you bring your waiters in, and I'm sure anybody who knows and use waiters on a regular basis know that, once you get them out there and you get them on, totally worth it, 100%. <laughs> what an amazing place, though. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the, the tale of two hikes. That first part of it, over half of it's on that dirt road. And right. You yeah. go by those water tanks, and it's, all, it's kind of ugly. Very. You're, think, you're thinking, what am I doing here? It's not really <laughs> not, very, not very scenic. But then once you get to the canyon, get to the creek, it's, it just totally changes. Yeah, it's like really peaceful and surreal and, and green and red rock and just yeah it's just totally different and it's an obstacle course of a hike <laughs> yeah I mean, you're going <laughs> up and over and around you have faults pathways and decoys and you're like no this must be the right path and so you're treasure hunting practically the whole way through yeah because they have yeah because yeah, people would cut paths on both sides of the stream and then one of them just abruptly ends on this vertical <laughs> rock where yeah. these two girls were stuck up there and it's just like um, I think path? you're supposed to come this way. And they're like, yeah, we can't get down. So it's like, uh, it's weird. I really wish that, um, I'm not sure who maintains the trail or if anybody does, but it'd be kind of nice if they'd put some kind of trail markers right uh, up so, so that everybody would stay on the same trail and not cut new trails trying to figure out where they're going. Yeah. Cause yeah. it shouldn't cost a lot of money to do little trail Even markers. Even if it was just cairns, cairns with rocks something to be like that's the path mm-hmm. yeah and i'm excited to see rusty's composition because i know he got a similar um composition that we did originally mm-hmm. and because i'd already got that shot i wasn't like concerned about i, I just i just wanted him to get that shot and experience right. that right so i was totally focused on like a totally different area and just took uh-huh. like 10 hdrs i'm just like i'm gonna stack the heck out of these, <laughs> these crazy you know oh light my gosh. so you're stacked hdr i'm excited to try that out because i'd expose for two different i'd expose for the inside light and then i expose to the outside light not realizing uh. that i was doing that wrong the whole time so i'm just like hey wait a minute like light bulb i'm like i can expose for outside and get the outside plus the inside light then expose for the inside because every time i expose for the inside of that canyon the outside was always blown out no matter what oh yeah yeah, and there's so, some major dynamic range. Oh, yeah. So now, <laughs> so with 10 images, exposed, five exposed for the outside, five exposed for the inside, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have some fun playing with these, you know. So I'm excited to try those out. 
process. I can't wait though. to see how it goes. I don't know if the composition's any good, but <laughs> we'll <have to> see. <laughs> this whole trip, I was I brought two different cameras with me. I've, I had my Fuji camera, which is a crop sensor, and I had my Canon 5D Mark III, which is a full frame. I've been shooting with the Canon for about I don't know three years or so, and I just got the Fuji a bit a little over a year ago, and I've just loved that Fuji. Really wanted to compare the two, especially for astrophotography and see how they would compare as far as uh, noise performance if you crank up your ISO how much noise mm. you would get and and to be honest I was really I'm really impressed with what little I've seen at least I haven't had a lot of time to compare the images but uh, really impressed with the Fuji performance I've got the Fuji X-T1 and I was using a uh, the 16 millimeter the Fuji 16 millimeter 1.4 lens mm-hmm. so I could open that thing up pretty wide and let in a lot of light now I'm working with the crop sensor but so you have to factor in that one and a half times crop so I'm not getting quite as wide but mm, yeah. still I'm just really impressed with the uh, the performance of that Fuji camera as far as the noise compared to my Canon the only thing I was kind of disappointed in was that 16 millimeter lens uh, really has some pretty bad coma distortion whenever oh, I'm no. shooting wide open. I need to do some more experimenting with it and see what it does if I stop it down to f2 or 2.8. Right. But, you know, by that point, it's like, what's the point of spending the extra money for a 1.4 right, lens? Right. <laughs> I mean, in, unless your point is to make it so that you only have to stop down to 2 and you're still at 2, it's better than 2.8. Yeah, right. It may end up getting the uh, the Rokinon 12 millimeter lens awesome. for that camera. Mm-hmm. And it's an F2 lens. Um, I've had really good luck with the the Roki non 14 that I have for the the Canon. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm assuming that the the 12 millimeters will be just as good. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll I'll do some more experimenting with that that lens and see what I come up with. But uh, really like the the camera and how well it performed. And uh, from what from everything I've read, the new Fuji, the XT2, is even better. In mm. fact, it's it's a very significant upgrade compared to the XT1. So I may be end up may end up getting that camera and selling off the Canon, but uh, have Ooh. to give that some more thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the things that I learned real quickly, I I was realizing, I mean, I knew of the importance at the beginning when they say make sure your pride tripod's level when you're doing a panorama, but I always was confused by that in the practices that I had up to that point because my ball head will level out for me. Right. I can level it out, no problem. And then I just do a quick panorama. For some reason, all my previous panoramas never were all that askew. They were very close to flat because when I finally had some situation where we're sitting on a cliff face in Grand Canyon and I have three rocks that I'm balancing on, my tripod legs are going all over the place. Mm. And so where they ended up being at fully extended in all their segments, I ended up having a tripod that was leaning out in front of me and then I would pull my camera back on the tripod ball head so that it's level for my eyes. Right. And then very quickly I realized with my panorama that I'm getting this long rainbow arch for mm. a panorama instead of a straight shot. And so I, I quickly realized, oh my gosh, you're right. I do have to level out my tripod head, not my ball head. My tripod right. head needs to be level. So this leg needs to be even shorter. This one needs to be even longer just so that I can get that plate at the top level. And then once that's level, then when I'm rotating my camera on the ball head, go right and left for panorama, 
it's fine. I don't have that same arch, rainbow arch reaching yeah. up and then reaching down. And so for the first time ever, I'm really tempted by the leveling base because there's situations where I don't want to have to reach out to the furthest leg, try and ramp, bring that down, bring that up. I'll lose time. I'll lose my workflow will go better with what is actually an expensive addition to my Faisal tripod, that leveling base where all I have to do is just loosen a little bit, move that handle right there and then level that base, ah, tighten it. Okay, yeah. Now the base of the tripod is level where the ball head's connected to and now the ball head's free to make its panorama movements. So mm. I learned that and I experienced it finally for the first time. Oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, and it's amazing how experience does bring those eye-opening, you know, yeah. oh yeah, that's why they say You that. would think it makes <laughs> sense when they just tell you, but you're like, my ball head levels, I can level the ball head, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, and I, fe- I experienced <laughs> the same thing with my gear head too. And so I found myself at Colob Canyon doing like, you know, three gears to the left and then one gear up three years to the left when you're like, I'm not level. It's obvious. And I'm going to like correct <laughs> yeah. every time. It's, yeah. It's kind of annoying. Hey, so let's go ahead and start gear time. And today we're going to feature Rusty and his uh, new RRS really right stuff tripod. So Rusty, go ahead and take it away. Really rich stuff. Yeah. <laughs> really rich so I, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just got this new tripod. Actually got it on Valentine's Day is when it came to my house. Ooh. Oh, your wife loves you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this trip was really kind of the first real outing for this tripod, so it was a kind of a good test mm. to see how it was going to perform and how I was going to like it compared to the other ones that I'd been using. Uh, my tripod that I had before, and I still have it, is a small kind of a travel size. It's a me photo travel size tripod and mm-hmm. I mean it's a great little tripod it's, it's small it's fairly light it folds up really really tiny so it's easy to carry on a hike and I'll still probably take that on some longer hikes but it just it lacks the stability like especially if you get any windy conditions mm. uh, or if you're in a creek that happens to be moving um, you're not going to get uh, the stability that you need especially if you're doing a longer exposure so I wanted to get me a tripod that I knew was going to provide that stability and that I knew that I was going to have, well, at least I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to have this tripod for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. At least mm-hmm. I, I, better, I better have it for a long time as much as it costs. <laughs> <laughs> I got the really right stuff. It's a TVC34L. Okay. And I got the, the BH55 ball head that goes on that as well. What a beefy but, ball head. Mm-hmm, it was big. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beast. It's not, it's not a light package. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad for what, how big it is. Uh, the, the tripod itself extends up to like 68 inches. So, and that's without a center column. So it's above my head even without the ball wow. head and camera on it. Nice. <laughs> one thing, one time it does come in handy is like whenever you're on a steep slope and you want to set up a tripod you need you need to keep that the camera up to your eye level mm-hmm. you can extend that front leg down way down the slope and you'll have a lot of extra leg to work with and the other two are up slope so that you can keep the, the tripod level and keep the nice. camera actually at your eye level yeah instead of crouching down like i have to do to make that leg touch i have to then bring it down where i'm practically sitting on the hill. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think this trip 
kind of showed me that I'm going to like this tripod. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not on really long hikes, but definitely on a shorter hike, you know, one or two miles, it's no problem to carry it along. And nice. I was sitting there with my very expensive Faisal tripod right next to Rusty in the Canyon Overlook. And my tripod, I really recommend it. I love it. It's sturdy. But my legs, when you fully extend them, they fully extend out to a very thin leg as well as a very thin foot. The foot mm. is tiny. And I think part of the problem I'm having with the, with the flexing of the legs is that the feet are so small, there's not a lot of grip, and that they can just slide on the rocks. Oh, I see. And I was watching Rusty's. I mean, he puts his down, and it looks like those walkers with the tennis balls on the end, like the, <laughs> old, the older senior citizens use. It was amazing how grippy he had the ground around mm. him. It was just, I knew that was going nowhere. Mine, though, I had to make sure I found a little bit of a divot in the rock so that I can put it in there and flatten it and then rest my foot in there. At least one of them sturdy. Otherwise, it would flex the whole time. But my Faisal has met its end days, and I'm ready to upgrade to the next tripod. Unfortunately, I'm going to go even more expensive and get it really right stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe how much you can actually spin on a tripod. Oh, man. (laughs) Those large rubber feet work really well on that, that sandstone rock. Yeah. They just really grip really well, but... I also have, and I, I never did pull these out, but I also have the spikes that I can screw into the bottom. So if I was setting up in a softer ground, like maybe sand or soft soil, mm-hmm. I can put those spikes on and they can just dig right into the the ground. That's awesome. Those spikes replace the big tennis ball end, the entire yeah. thing? Yeah, you just screw those tennis ball things off and put the spikes in. Oh, nice. nice. You can probably, can you get those for the Faisal? Do the, the Faisal feet come off? If I can't get them, I'm sure I can custom get them created. But mm-hmm. I know that Nick Page had this Faisal tripod or one like it, and he put spikes on his, and so it's possible to take off those rubber ends and put the spikes oh, in. Yeah. I think those will come in handy on a, like a softer soil or sand, but I haven't tried them yet. On that, a tip of the week, we want to talk about tripods again. And Rusty had a good tip that I know that I was trying to follow through this trip, and yet at the same time, several moments, I was actually doing the opposite of it. Yeah, I'm guilty of it. Quite often, where I'll just set up my tripod in a location, I I find a composition that I like, and then a, and uh, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. And I'll take shot after shot after shot, and I'll come back to the computer, and I have all the same shots. It's, it just drives me crazy sometimes. It's like, why didn't I move and try something different? Yeah, why didn't yeah. I so, do that? Yeah. yeah, my tip would be to don't let that tripod grow roots. Pick it up, move around. I mean, once you find this composition that you like, get the shot, get a few shots from there, but don't be afraid to pick up and try something else. Try a different angle, different perspective, different composition completely. Just never know what, you may find something even better than you had before. Isn't that the truth? It yeah. totally, I mean, you never do know until you actually move around and you you may think that three steps to the left was somehow amazingly better shot than where you were originally. Mm-hmm. Or something more extreme like our Kolob Sunrise Morning where we had that situation of mm. we weren't getting the light tunnels, the light shaft, and we had to make the bold decision during the beginning of the sunrise to move. And we moved from off the rock face up that hill all the way down a hill and drove to another location to yeah. find the view. <laughs> and we ended up making it in time to capture an awesome shaft of light. I can't light. wait to work on that photo. <laughs> My wife saw that when I was going through the pictures and just checking to see what I had. And I was like, check this out. What do you think? She's like, oh, I really love that. 
She loves <laughs> seeing the light hit the trees the way they were, the way yeah. they sparkled, and they really stood out. And I, I haven't even processed it. I just, I can't even imagine what it will look like after I process it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be awesome. Don't be afraid to just try something new. Try a different location if you have to, or a different, even if it's just a few feet. Right. Could totally change your composition and make your image even better. And yeah. Rusty was doing that the night of the Canyon Overlook, where I was doing the opposite. I had right. decided on my position, and I had three different time frames that I wanted in my shot. So I knew I was going to do that. And I got stuck in a position while Rusty, you're moving around. You tried multiple options, so did Brendan. But you had a different goal in mind, though. Yeah, I guess I wasn't in so much of a situation where I was being ignorant. I had a goal in mind. And so mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. But it's in moments like that that I wish I had a second camera body. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did have a second camera body. So I oh, that's that right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you had boulders coming down on your head. Yeah. That was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining us on this Improved Photography Retreat. Recap, we're doing one more podcast where we talk about this, where we talk about specifically the workshop with Jeff Harmon, the host of the Photo Tackle Podcast. Nice. Thanks for listening. Hey, Rusty, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. No we love hanging out with you. Everyone, go to RustyParkers.com, see his body of work. Check him out on Instagram. Check him out on ImprovedPhotography.com website and read his articles. Get to know Rusty. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening and have a great week. See you guys.